Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. And my name is Joe Oltman. Lots to discuss today. We have a guest. We're going to bring him on in a second. But Joe, have you seen what's going on with Spotify over the last couple of days? You mean putting up the COVID-19, this, uh, this podcast could contain this information? Yeah. Yeah. So the White House is not happy. They don't think that that's enough. They don't think it's enough for Spotify to editorialize other people's content. So Jen Psaki is now telling them to do more. If we put up my screen, Mr. Producer, this was from yesterday's White House press conferences. White House press conferences. Jen Psaki, on behalf of the White House, saying that Spotify can take further action on Joe Rogan and other podcasters like us, saying that, quote, more can be done. You now have the White House itself advocating for censorship it's not just advocating for censorship it's a bold move or push towards communism and you know we were having this conversation last night i had a live chat um we had seven or eight hundred people on there listening i tried jumping on i couldn't hear anything you couldn't hear anything you must have an android now yeah yeah so they weren't letting anybody with androids get on it was the weirdest thing ever but uh you know we had a pretty uh spirited conversation and one of the couple things that i said one and, and this to me is, is paramount, is that we have to stop talking about it. And, you know, we have thousands of volunteers that say, I want to volunteer. And I'm like, great, can you do the phone bank? And they're like, I don't really want to do that. So we talked about what it means to actually step in and do the hard work, shoveling crap, as I like to call it, right? Um, and then we, we talked about the fact that there's this slow push and the, the, the compromise of the judiciary. And that that's really the, the, you know, where the crust of this is, is that we have so many corrupt judges that the good judges are mixed in and intermingled to make it look or appear. It's like salt and pepper. There's way more salt, which is the corruption. And you have these pepper in there that is, is you know, reversing stuff on the appeals court. But too often, that's not what happens. And that stops us from getting to, to from stopping this communist takeover. That They've taken over judgeships. They've taken over the judiciary. So in doing that, they've stopped us from having a voice. And, and that's why I think that, uh, you know, Saki and these people think that they can use you know, corporate control to, to, to quell, not just, not, they're not quelling misinformation, by the way. They're quelling good information, truth. They're, they're, they're saying one thing and they're doing something totally different, and that's just what evil is. But we have a guest today. We do. Mr. Pat Kolbeck, so why don't we bring him on. Patrick, welcome to the show. Oh, great to be with you guys. Appreciate all your work. And you're right, there is a lot of hard work and it's a lot of heavy lifting, and I appreciate everything you guys are doing to do that. I tell you what, Usually we, yeah, go ahead. I, I tell you what, it um, it takes a village, and there's a bunch of us across the entire nation. Another thing we talked about is just how do we stand together? You know, Seth uh, Wholehouse yesterday said it's real easy. We go on each other's uh, podcasts, we communicate with each other, we start heading in the same direction, putting our kind of the unity th- speech that I gave at the Reawaken America tour. Um, and, and we've, we've got to start sharing information. There's so many times that people want to hold on to information, don't want anybody else to see it. And that's the yeah. sign of someone that, uh, frankly, 
is all about themselves, not not the saving our nation. Absolutely. I've been kind of an information broker since day one. That's why we've got as much information, because when you actually share that information with other people, they know you're serious about it. Then they end up sharing that information with you. So it, it really is uh, been a national network of people providing data. I mean, I've been providing it to a lot of the major court cases that have been happening right now, and we've organized the evidence and gotten it out to people, and it's powerful. So, Pat, um, usually when we, we bring people on, we give them the opportunity to introduce themselves, just so we're not reading your bio. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll give you the floor a minute or so. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience if they don't already know you? All right, I'm Pat. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm a former state... <laughs> I'm a former state senator in Michigan. Um, I was vice chair of the election and government reform committee while I was out there. Um, very much the anti-establishment uh, variety. Uh, I ran for governor uh, as well back in 2018. And uh, I served at the TCS center in 2020 during the gen general election. That's the Detroit AB counting board where all the absentee votes were counted. Um, at that, I was the one who observed the um, internet connection between the Dominion machines, um, uh, their tabulators, their adjudicators, and their central workstation where they have an election management server, all connected to the internet. Um, I also was there when we saw the late night delivery of the ballots at 3.30, 4.30 in the morning. I was there when they put up the pizza boxes up on the wall to prevent people from viewing the transposition of military ballots to uh, formats that were compatible with the tabulators. And um, pretty much for the last 17 months now, I've been all about investigating this election fraud. And as we were talking about earlier, sharing information, getting it out there and making sure that people understand that what happened in 2020 wasn't the usual Republican versus Democrat cycle. It wasn't Trump versus Biden. It was about those who fundamentally wanted to transform America and take us over. And, um, and uh, I, I believe and I'm not shy about using this term at all based on the evidence that I've seen that we are a victim of a coup and it's about time to go off and expose that and rectify matters. So, so you were there on the ground, you, you got to experience everything. The media oh, has yeah, tried to make this experience. out to look like it was normal, that it's normal to put pizza boxes up on, on the window. It's normal for unmarked vans to come in at 3 AM, unload boxes in, uh, in unlocked containers <laughs> with no notice. Just, just funneling them in, and, and you mentioned that you were also on the uh, the election committee when you were in the state legislature. Yeah. Just, just again to reiterate, this isn't the way it normally happened. The media tries to say that this was completely normal, that this was all by the book. This isn't usually the way an election would work, even in Wayne County, as corrupt as that is. No, we've got multiple. Uh affidavits attesting to the fact that at least 15 Michigan election laws were violated. Um, we've got three federal laws that were violated um, on an ongoing basis. They're continuing to violate them to this day, things around protecting election records. We've got our Secretary of State ordering the clerks to, do, to destroy election records in direct violation of federal law. So, no, this is not the way it's supposed to operate. And um, it's really a shame that uh, this hasn't gotten more air, but that highlights the fact that this there is a broader attempt to go off and suppress discussion of election fraud. And when you look at some of the preparations that they were doing before the election, you understand why. They were trying to create this one-sided narrative that says if anybody talks about election fraud, that's misinformation. 
But if anybody yeah. is going off and pushing that this is the most secure election in American history and that Joe Biden received a record 81 million votes from the from the citizens of America here, uh, that, that's that's all gospel truth. Right. Um, so um, when you actually peel behind the uh, look behind the covers, you see the fact that there's 148 organizations aligned with something, uh, a group called Protect the Results. And they were organized months before the election. So what results were they protecting? You notice when we set up our groups, they're called election integrity, protect the integrity of the election. They're saying, nope, protect the results because they already knew what the results yeah. were. The transition election, uh, transition integrity project. Gee, what transition is there if uh, Donald Trump, re you know, is reelected to president? There's no transition, but they already were forecasting what they saw happening in that particular election and the money that went into this is just, um, it's, a, it's amazing. So no, this is, you know, we, we've, we're dealing with the after effects right now. I call us, we're in the defense phase of their operation. There are four phases of the operation. We're in the defense phase and it's designed not to, um, let us get any traction whatsoever on this topic. So the fact that you guys are talking about it and I know, uh, you've been investigating this for a long time. It really is appreciated. Well, I want to I want to come back to where it all started, the epicenter of actually getting access to the Dominion machines, and that happened in Antrim County with Matt DiPerno. And Matt DiPerno yeah. is running for AG of Michigan. Yep. And one of the issues that I have is, you know, he did all this work on the uh, Antrim machines. The judge said nothing to see here. Matt kind of got a little bit more quiet about things. Um, he was yep. attacked in the court by the Secretary of State uh, and by the governor. And and, the uh, yeah. and and then the case was over. It was seemingly over. No one else was talking about it. And no one was call, talking about the information that came out of it, like the deleted files and the, and the log files. And, and this was in the beginning, so nobody was even looking at the security files either. They weren't looking at the McAfee security files and whether or not those logs were deleted. So they missed a few opportunities going through this deal. Yep. to grab information that would have been that would have helped us show the pattern but you take the information that we learned in Antrim and we knew more so we could go to when we went to Maricopa County we could do the same thing when we started looking in in uh, Colorado we could do the same thing we're pretty intelligent right now Patrick we yeah. we know that anybody that denies the fact that the election was stolen is either complicit in the behavior because they're a radical leftist or they're just dumb because the evidence is overwhelming, and yet the yeah. mainstream media ignores it and, and says these are fringe people that are election conspiracy theorists. It's not a, a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy against the American people. And, right. and, and, and I don't know where to – I don't know – I'm, I'm a little I'm miffed about what's happened in Michigan because that was, I think, the, the tip of the spear, and then all of a sudden somebody dulled the spear – but maybe you could tell me more about what's happening in, in Michigan and more. I know well, another report came out. We're confident the truth is going to come out for everybody to go off and see. And here's where I'm quite hopeful. I, because most of America has been duped and told that this is the most secure election in history, when the truth starts coming out, they're going to, and they, they look at what's happening in D.C. right now. They know this isn't the bill of goods that, uh, that was being sold to them. Um, and here we are on the verge of war now with Russia just because Joe Biden wants it that way. Um, I, once people realize what's really going on here and that they're one big victim of wag the dog right now, um, I think we got some hope. So in Antrim County, 
You know, the truth can't be quelled forever. And by the way, the judge never really dismissed the credibility of any of the evidence presented. No, to him at all. At all. He, just said that the, he just said that the remedial action requested, which was a forensic audit, had already been provided, even though the defense counsel stated explicitly during oral arguments that there has not been an audit of the election it performed. But he still ruled uh, that the, an audit had already been performed. Well, I, I said it can't be hidden forever. Well, today, the unredacted ASOG report, that's the Allied Security Operations Group with Russ Ramblin, they did a report um, uh, where they actually had access to the um, the Dominion voting systems and a couple of the uh, uh, townships inside of Antrim County. And uh, finally, we get to see the unredacted version. Now, the judge had redacted the ASOG report because he, the Dominion and the Attorney General in Michigan made the case that the machines had source code installed on them, and uh, there's no source code installed on these machines. I mean, this is compiled, executable code. But there's they no lie because they're liars. They lied. They lied, and and what yeah. they hid was the fact that one of the claims made in the ASAG report was that rank choice voting module was indeed active, and they had configuration logs that verified it. Now, rank choice, just so you know is their ability to go off and align or allocate fractions of votes to different candidates. That turns an integer-based or whole number-based voting system into a decimal-based voting system, where instead of seeing 1, 2, 3, 4, you start seeing 1.1, 2.1, 3.1, you know, because some votes are more important than others, obviously, and they get a fraction more than somebody else. No, that's, that's their, this is a um, attempt to go off and uh, manipulate the vote. Now, there are genuine uses for ranked choice voting modules. The 2020 general election was not one of those um, genuine uses for this. So the fact that it was enabled, first of all, it's in direct controversy to the statements made by the Dominion CEO, John Polis, when he was under oath before the Michigan Senate. But also, it, it also explains why there was such a high error rate of on the order of 68% in Antrim County when these ballots were being read, because it's expecting to see a ranked choice voting module ballot and what it's seen instead is just a regular old ballot. So um, there's some important information there. For me, it's an indication of perjury um, by the Dominion CEO for starters. So that's, that's the, the, there's weighted choice. There's weighted voting, which is, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. The only real reason you'd have weighted voting is if you were talking about, uh, a company having an annual shareholders meeting and some people own more shares than others. So their votes a yep. little bit more heavily yep. weighted or, or in an HOA where someone owns a couple lots so they get more than one vote or rank choice voting. Yeah. Yeah. Rank choice voting would be if someone uh, voted third party and their third party didn't win, it would go to a second round of counting and whoever that mm-hmm. person's second choice would be, that would get the vote and they'd keep doing it until they whittle it down into two is, is the weighted, the weighted voting part of the ranked choice voting too? Yeah. What, what they'll do is they'll take, um, and I, I'm, it's been a while since I've researched all the details on it, but I have lots of Dominion manuals that brag about this uh, effectiveness. So you can't deny that it's actually part of their system. Yeah. Um, in it, they'll, they'll sit there and when it's clear that there are two candidates that are the only viable candidates in a particular race, what they'll do is take a percentage of the vote from the third or fourth or fifth place candidates and then they'll automatically apply that percentage. They do it by weight. Got it. Yep. So that's a messy way to do it. So, um, (laughs) Mr. Producer, a lot of messy things in the Dominion system. So, so 
What's interesting about all this is that Dominion Voting Systems is working really hard on the SEO front to push up a June 24th, 2021 latest news, a uh, breaking, you know, not breaking news, but a uh, uh, press brief. And in that press brief, they said about the debunked Antrim County Forensic Audit Report. Now, this is a company, right, that instead of actually, they're, they're using the same radical leftist talk points that you hear the radical leftists out there talking about. But they attack Russ Ramsland um, here, and on the third one, it said the origins, the fourth, third one down, go ahead and put it up, Mr. Producer, the second one that I put up. The third one down says the origins of the ASOG report tracks to founder Russ Ramsland, a deep state conspiracy theorist who mistook mistook locations in Minnesota for Michigan jurisdiction and falsely claimed in an affidavit the voter turnout in Detroit was 139.29% and the turnout in North Muskegon was an eye-popping 781.97%. Reality turnout was 50.88 and 78.11 respectively. Let's go ahead and dig it down. That's not true. Yeah, That's not true. Uh, Dominion sent me two cease and desist letters as well. Um, there's a game of suppression and threatening threats that are going on right now to keep the truth uh, under wraps. And they made a lot of false accusations against me in those letters as well. So it is a pattern. And uh, but uh, I'm happy there are folks like Matt DiPerno and crew that are still persisting through it. Like yourself, you've been targeted quite a bit as well. Um, and we're just uh, and Mike Lindell. He's in the middle of one heck of a battle right now as well legal case. So there are folks that are willing to keep fighting and, um, you know, the truth will get out there. Well, well, and I, and I look at this, here's another one on their site for Dominion Voting System at the very bottom. Dominion Voting System CEO John Polish refuted the report's flawed claims under oath and testimony before Michigan State's Oversight Committee on December 15, 2020, noting Michigan doesn't use ranked choice voting. You're right, it doesn't, but it was enacted. It was active. Right? Um, so I'd love to see the explanation for why that configuration log, which is not source code. It's a configuration log. I mean, I've done plenty right. of enterprise level software deployment on it and uh, there's source code. And then, you know, for every customer, you go off and configure it to their specific needs. One thing that's not pointed out is that they put out, they say it was debunked, the ASOG report. I actually went through line item by line item by line item, assertion by assertion, and mapped that out and compared it to what J. Alex Halderman put out, what Jim Penrose put out, what other um, experts um, put out regarding these voting systems. When you actually look at the Halderman report in particular, um, while the executive summary and the conclusions, you know, made a lot of disparaging remarks about the ASOG report, when you actually look at the body of the report, um, less than half of the assertions that were made by uh, by the ASOG or in the ASOG report were refuted uh, at uh, at all by the um, Halderman report. Matter of fact, he affirmed many of them. He came up with different conclusions and opinions on what some of the facts that were presented in the ASAG report meant. But um, ultimately, it comes down to J. Alex Halderman had a theory as to how this was executed. Matt DiPerno and the ASAG group had a theory of what happened. Um, without these security logs that you're talking about, nobody knows for sure exactly what happened, which is why we need a full forensic audit and why the judge's dismissal of the case, which is now on appeal, but appeals take years um, to go off and get processed, um, which why the judge's dismissal of this on the basis that an audit had been completed was complete balderdash. Well, I'll tell you what isn't balderdash. A new sponsor for our show, 
enerforce.com, E-N-R-F-O-R-C-E.com. Make sure you spell it right. If you spell it the way you think I might be saying it, you're going to get somewhere very, very different. E-N-R-F-O-R-C-E. And they have a T-shirt that we help build with them in cooperation with them, the Free Our People shirt. So, well, they've got some great stuff. They've got a they've got a book, and look, they're, they're, the quality of the product is pretty amazing. But uh, I so focus in on the free the people, free our people, because this to me is important about our political prisoners that are that are in that are being abused in Washington D.C. Um, under the Capitol, and I and I and I mean under the Capitol because many of these prisons are underground prisons, no windows, no getting outside. Their idea of outside is. Is a, is a prison yard with a small light at the very top where you can see the outside. But yet what they do is they wake people up at 3 o'clock in the morning and they say, here's your hour out of the hole. And they're putting these people in the hole yeah. 24 hours a day. Some people have been in, in those holes for over a year. So we have this free our people, but the Inner Force also has some pretty great stuff um, uh, as well. But they have it men's and women's. Yeah. They have it in the T-shirt. But if you want to actually also go to the sweatshirt, they have a sweatshirt. Um, that has, uh, um, it's pretty awesome. Outerwear? Outerwear? There you go. Should be uh, one in there. Oh, wait. It's not there yet. Yeah. If you're on the audio version, yeah, free our people. Yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing So, so the way these work, the way Enerforce works is when you make a purchase, not only are you going to be supporting the, the men and women who are being locked up as political prisoners, not only, is a, not only will a portion of the proceeds go to helping veterans but you're also going to get entered into the running to win a two, 2021 Ford F450 with a gooseneck trailer and a Can-Am Maverick, as well as uh, $20,000 in hard cash. So here's the deal. If you want to purchase this T-shirt or this sweatshirt, there's two different promo codes you can use. You can do CD21. That's going to get you up 1,000 extra entries to win this truck. Or you can use CD10 to get 10% off on your order again that's enrforce.com link will be in the description and just as a disclaimer no purchase or payment of any kind is technically necessary to win a purchase or payment will not improve your chances of winning so check out enrforce enerforce.com and pick up your t-shirt today the truck's Patrick. even in my color guys dude that truck <laughs> yeah. is bad there to the go. bone when oh, you stand in and i'm from detroit here so this is uh music my ears when you start seeing that promoted <laughs> so P Patrick Dominion sent you a cease and desist. I want to I want to ask you how that too. I want to ask you how that felt cuz obviously you're a former legislator. Like Dominion is acting as a quasi public entity in this situation. They are performing a public service yeah. so that the state or localities or counties don't have to do it. The counties are the ones who should be counting the ballots. The counties have yeah. hired Dominion to do that for them. So they're just like the, the garbage men that are picking trash up on behalf of the county. Or if you have utilities that are privately owned, they're still technically quasi-public because they're working with the counties and providing a public good. I can't imagine, I still can't wrap my head around it, how someone, an organization that's a quasi-public in this, in this manner, believes that they have the right to silence criticism. Like, imagine if you did that when you were a legislator. If, if someone had been protesting Communism. and you hit them with a cease and desist, it never would fly. Well, I like to flip that around and say, you remember Doug Logan uh, and the Maricopa County audit? Mm -hmm. And you heard about the judge that came down and ruled that because he was acting in a public capacity, 
that all of his communications were were uh, subject to um, FOIA, so we could actually get access to that information. And eventually, you know, because Doug refused to comply with that, he went bankrupt and he's out of business on it. But you know what? Why don't we ask Dominion? Since they're acting as a public entity, yeah. it would fall under the same guidelines by that judge's ruling. And let's go off and start FOIA them for all the information we should be having access to, including what is the configuration of their ranked choice voting module in all of the states and in all the precincts and all the Dominion machines all across the state, uh, across the country. So I... Um, I'm looking at that a little bit different. I'm not intimidated by these guys. If I were to said anything that was uh, untruthful, I wouldn't be on your show. I wouldn't be going off and continue to talk about this. I can back up everything that I attest to. And uh, I've got affidavits that I can share from all this. Plus, I was an eyewitness out of what I saw out at the TCF Center. So he can, they can huff and they can puff, but they're not going to blow this ass down. I'd love to see the communications from Dominion to see who exactly was the one who cleared the security logs in Antrim County. And this is where it gets really easy to explain yeah. to people. Cause when you start talking about the computer systems, not everyone's technically minded, but everyone has seen Mission Impossible or James Bond where you go in and, and they, they do the fake hacking and then they cover <laughs> their tracks to make sure you yeah. can't see what they did, right? Everyone yeah. can understand the idea of covering your tracks so, you, so the other people, auditors can't see what you illegally did. I, we still haven't gotten any explanation for why that happened. But at, as we go to more states. Because we have nobody in the media earlier. asking those yeah. questions, right? It's like nothing to see here. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Normally, they'd be asking those questions. But we keep seeing it. We keep seeing it in Maricopa. Oh, the logs were deleted. They have the guy who deleted it, or it might be a woman. I don't know if it's been explained. On camera. And that, to me, is one of the successes of the Maricopa audit, that they were able to line up the timestamp of the log deletion with security cameras in the, oh, yeah. the same exact terminal to find who did it. And they still haven't been prosecuted. And then we see it's happening in Colorado. Now, we, we were talking yesterday uh, with, uh, with, with David, the professor, and they're saying, well, it might have already happened in New Mexico. We don't know. This seems like it's an easy thing to fix. You're, you're not allowed to delete the logs. You're not allowed to delete anything. And if you do, it's a crime. What am I missing here? Why is this so hard? It shouldn't be hard. And and what we're seeing, that is part of the cover-up. It's a recurring theme of the deleted logs. And when these equipment, when these pieces of, uh, when these systems are actually certified, the fact that they have these logs is supposed to be part of the certification. They're supposed to be validating that we always have this audit trail we can go back to in case anybody questions the integrity of the election. Well, guess what? They're deliberately deleting that audit trail so that we can't follow the breadcrumbs and determine who's getting this information, who's sending information, any of that stuff. And I, I've always said since the beginning, the most important part of those log files and particularly things like the Splunk logs and what we had deleted with the routers and stuff out in Maricopa County, there was a reason why they were holding on by their fingernails to that data, because I think it goes beyond the what happened and how it happened to the who was behind this. It actually starts progressing. The IP addresses have the keyword address in it. When you have an address, now you can start connecting that address to people and owners and money flow, and they don't want us to see any of that data. That's why these logs are so important. Well, so the, the logs are important, but I want to go back to Chris. So Chris worked for Dominion in 2007, 2008. He was on our show... 
I don't, Max, what was it? It was fe- February of 2021? Um, I don't think I was on that show. I don't think I was on that show. I think you did that on a weekend. But, yeah, yeah we did do it on a weekend. He came in for this show, but we, we walked through it, and he basically said, he goes, look, Joe, I have, and he's starting to uncover more and more evidence that, that he had yeah. back with, in the Dominion deals, emails and things like that. But he goes, he was on a call with the CEO at the time who was bragging about the fact that they were able to go into the machines, make changes, and come out without anybody knowing. And he said that before we ever heard about the law. We weren't even, we weren't far enough down the pathway that we were looking at logs and saying, wait, look at the logs. And that's why in Arizona, they kept us from the routers. That's why in Arizona, they've kept us from gathering information about Runback. I mean, Runback literally sabotaged efforts as well. And what these radical leftist organizations that, frankly, are all tied back to the intelligence community, all, what, what they've been able to do is spread out the fraud in these different companies so they all serve a, p- a part and a piece. And so you can say, yep. oh, I don't, I don't, what are and you talking about? And it's privatized. The fraud is privatized. So... If it's an elected official or a public official that's doing it, you can FOIA and and pick up the breadcrumbs. But because they're behind this private privatization wall, um, it's much more difficult to get access to that information. Well, and so if you can't get access to the information, they're acting as a public good. I, I'm actually getting sued by Eric Coomer, which is laughable. I mean, the guy's a ha, ha, has a picture of screaming Pope, which is Satan's. Uh, the artist is Satan's or the Satanist groups or the Church of Satan's uh, deal. He, he, he's a drug addict. He was arrested twice for, I, I don't even know what, I, th- I think it was DUI in California. He was arrested again. Excuse me, he wasn't arrested. I, I need to correct this record. He, he, was, he had an, a, uh, uh, what was it called? An arraignment for what appears to be leaving the scene of an accident, going home. I'm going to just surmise that he was drinking, crashed the car and left. But what do I know? Um, that just happened. The, the guy is literally the one that put up anti-American, anti-Trump. Ant- he put up all this stuff. He completely biased. I would say crazy. If you watch, if you watch the, uh, the, um, the uh, deposition he did for, for two hours, you can't come away with anything good feeling about the guy. He admits that he's an uh, Antifa guy. At the very end, he admits it. He just broke down, just admits it. And this is the guy that's running the, the security and safety of our elections, 50% of the vote. And now we're digging into the Dominion machines, and what are we finding? We're finding all the things that are aligned with stealing an election. Yep. And the sad part is most of this stuff is just documented in their, in their system manuals. I mean, all these capabilities to replace one election result file with another election result file, all this is documented. I mean, it's clearly out there. And I... Um, I was just out in Montana last week and we were going over the certification for the ESNS machines. And of course, they're not supposed to be connected to the Internet at all. And but in Michigan, you know, through the investigation from Matt DiPerno and Jim Penrose and the crew, they identified that um, the DS200 machine from ESNS is part of their which is part of their ESNS 6.2.00 suite um, has an embedded 4G wireless modem on it to communicate to the Internet. Um, and, uh, I just asked during the EAC, during the, um, Montana certification, have you popped the hood to look at the motherboard on this to see what kind of modems they have installed on the machines here that are not supposed to be connected to the internet? I think you need to ask that. And so the data is out there. The truth is out there, if you will, on this. And it's just a matter of getting some people to prosecute, which 
I can tell you there are investigations going on in Michigan that I can't disclose um, from good guys. Um, there are investigations, obviously, that are going on in Wisconsin. Um, and we've seen that publicly, the Racine County uh, Sheriff's when they came out. So there are some good signs on that. Um, it's taken us about a year to put all the pieces together, but you are absolutely right. I, we know exactly how they stole this election now. Now we need to start seeing some prosecutions in orange jumpsuits. But the, but the, but Patrick, the, uh, I want to add. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Max. I want to ask you, we, we talk a lot about the electronic, the digital, the, the election machines, Dominion voting systems. And it's absolutely yeah. true that we need to be tearing them open and checking everything. What makes Michigan interesting in all of this is there was also what I call good old fashioned fraud. The yeah. fact that something like 30 percent, it was 30, 37 percent of Wayne County's precincts were unbalanced. So they, the number yeah. of votes, the number of votes, was, was it that high? Was it 71 percent? Well, it's you're you're quoting their official number because they say that's a percentage that was unexplained. Mm -hmm. um, but 71 percent overall. 71 percent overall unbalanced. And for everyone who doesn't know what that means, that means that there are more votes than voters or more voters than votes. The number of votes don't line up with the number of voters that they say walked into that precinct. So the thing about that is when it's unbalanced at the precinct level, it can never be truly audited because it hasn't been complete. It hasn't been certified at the precinct level. So well, if you don't do it there, you can't do it at the county level. You can't do it at the state level. You're not even supposed to open the bags. Yeah, it can be audited, but it can't be recounted. Um, recounted, recounted. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, Went during the Wayne County Board of Canvassers meeting where they discussed that and our canvassers originally voted no on certification, which was the correct vote. Um, they were later um, hornswoggled into uh, voting for some fake uh, compromise or whatever to to move it along. But um, the uh, they cited that 71 percent and the Democrat canvassers that were on that board says, well, 71 percent. It's better than it was in the primary. And the primary was 72 percent. And he yeah. said, oh, by the way, this always happens here. Why are you guys so focused on this? I'll tell you why we're focused on it, because that indicates fraud. That indicates that either somebody is stuffing the ballot box with ballots that should not be counted because there's no valid voter associated with it, or there are a bunch of ineligible voters that are getting credited with ballots. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's I, we have secret ballots. So you can't sit there and say, you know, that ballot number one was a fraudulent ballot in that case. All you know is that the the number of uh, ballots, number of votes cast supposedly versus the number of ballots yeah. should match. And if it doesn't, you got trouble. And the other bit is you mentioned this earlier, if I put up my screen, Mr. Producer, this is kind of grainy footage, but I was able to just grab it real quickly. These vans coming yeah. in at 3 a.m. Un unloading yeah. dollies, unloading dollies of ballots. I believe that Dominion Voting Systems is, is shady as hell and was absolutely complicit in this. But if it was purely about the machines, they wouldn't be sneaking in dollies of ballots after covering up the windows so no one can see them. There, there has to be a paper component here, too. Otherwise, they wouldn't be going through this effort to sneak them in. Right. It, it, well, yeah, you're spot on. And I, I've actually broken this out into four different phases of the operation. And uh, you can find more information at letsfixstuff.org. We're putting out a documentary because I think we're fundamentally in an information war. We have to provide this in a way that can most people can get their arms around it. And so there's four basic phases. Preparation phase, that was occurring for decades before we got into this. That's 
that's where you go off and centralize the election operations via electronic voting systems. That's where you go off and relax signature verification requirements, which uh, Secretary of State in Michigan did. That's where you put in these bogus uh, ballot proposals that are designed to weaken the integrity of the election system. And that's also when you go off and seed the statewide voter registration file with a bunch of bogus uh, names um, and uh, or just bogus ineligible voters, period. That's the preparation phase. The, the main phase, which is what you're getting at, was a paper-based phase. I call it good old Chicago-style ballot mail-in ballot fraud. And that's evidenced by the Dr. Frank's data where he shows that it was obvious that there was a machine-based allocation of voters to ballots that occurred in Michigan. And uh, the in order to back that assessment up, we've done canvassing all through the state of Michigan. We haven't released all the reports that we've had. But I'll tell you, in Macomb County alone, we identified 17.6% anomaly rate, which means that the voter file was corrupted in some way. It meant that somebody who was said to have voted doesn't live at a particular address. Or if you go to that address uh, for somebody that was set, uh, said to have voted, they swear up and down that they did not vote. And uh, that highlights that the um, data in the voter file is corrupted and it backs up everything that Dr. Frank was asserting. And Macomb is bellwether. Macomb yeah. is a bellwether. That, that, that's yeah. the, the county in Michigan everyone points to. Whoever wins that wins the election 99.99999% of the time. So, so, right. let me, so, so let me and tell by you. By the way, I just want to put this in context. It's a number that led to um, a potential for uh, 87,000 fraudulent votes in a, in a mar- out of one county out of 83 in a, in a state where Joe Biden was credited with the victory by 154,188 margin. We think that there's as much as 900,000 or more fraudulent votes that were cast in Michigan based on the canvassing results that we're seeing right now all across the, the state. I mean, anywhere from 15 to 40 percent anomaly rates on canvassing. So that's a big deal. The machine part is the next phase, and that is a smaller part that just helps them get over the hump because they undershot no. on their ballot on their uh, turnout forecast. No, no, but let guys, me... you nailed it. Let me tell you, let me tell you how it happened. Ready? And this is, this is not a theory. Pat, if you know who voted at the end of the night, what do you also know? You know how many votes were cast? No, you know who didn't vote. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So low propensity voter list. So, So when you know who voted, you know who didn't vote. You said that the machines are connected to the internet, everything's connected to the You have an yep. EMS system, so it's actually pulling those ballots in. It's, it's counting those ballots. Those ballots are then credited to a certain voter, right? So they have to have some yep. sort of ability to make sure they validate that stuff. If they know who voted, they also know who didn't vote. And so when you bring in these, these truckloads of ballots, it's an executable file. Like, I'm a system architect expert. Yep. I can already tell you where the holes were. And I said this back in January. And on January 5th, I told them what was going to happen that night at the, at the Georgia um, runoff for the Senate. I go, this is what's going to happen. This is going to come down. It's going to come back up. They're going to count stuff into the night. You're going to have the Republicans leaving, and all of a sudden the Democrats are going to win. And what happened in both those, both those cases? That's exactly what happened. So what happens with you knowing yep. who voted and not knowing who didn't vote? I can go out and get a truckload of ballots. I can have them predisposed. Keep in mind that at the border, in at the border of Mexico, they caught a truckload of ballots. You have a truckload of ballots that went from New York down to Michigan. This happened. This this is not hyperbolic. This is not me right. being a conspiracy theorist. I didn't make this up. You have the truck driver that said, 
I delivered ballots. In Michigan, you had a shredder truck that was shredding ballots. It was filled with ballots that they were told to come pick up. If you know who voted, you also know who didn't vote. If you know who didn't vote, all you have to do is bring in a truckload of ballots, and the system itself can use randomization models very easy in order to assign those ballots to a specific candidate. Oh, that, that, that's absolutely true. If you put it on my screen real quickly, they, they also are submitting fraudulent ballots. I mean, this is a map of just the drop boxes in Michigan. There's over 1,100 drop boxes. So it's this like is designed for... Yeah, it does. It, it looks like you need to go see your physician. Um, th- they wouldn't have created all of these drop boxes if they could correct it through the algorithm, right? If they just need blank ballots. These drop boxes were created so that harvesters could go out. And yeah, they're using the data to see who hasn't voted yet, just like we saw in Wisconsin, right? With that with that collaboration with the Zuckerbucks, the Zuckerberg group. They're looking to see who hasn't voted. They're going into these communities. They're getting the ballots. They're filling them out on their behalf, just like we've seen other reports with, with nursing homes. And then they're dropping them in these, in these drop boxes. And then the vans are coming in the middle of the night when there's no cameras, no one's watching them. They're, they're taking them out without any chain of custody documentation whatsoever, and they're dropping them off at the TCF center at 3 a.m. So the electronic bit is absolutely real, but they wouldn't need yeah. 1,100 drop boxes in unsecure locations with ballot harvesters if they could just get it through the electronic means. All right, they, so if they, that, right. And they need if, if paper that, to come through the door. They, they, they need paper in some instances, depending on the machines that they have. I mean, you saw that, well, that they in Georgia, they ran ballots through the machine. And this is the problem where there's no standardization of the voting machines or the versions that are on those voting machines across the country. They, they literally create, create a controlled chaos. If you look in Michigan, they ran the same ballots through the machine over and over and over again. And those ballots were counted in different batches. We know that to be a fact because we have the images of the ballots and we have direct competing images that are identical in one, in one batch and another batch. Well, I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Go I, ahead, I think I think you're on. I mean, the low propensity voter definitely is part of this whole equation. And our our uh, secretary of state sent out absentee ballot applications to voters throughout the state using every name that was in the voter registration file and a complete departure from state law and protocol. And the reason for that was to go off and identify who those low propensity voters were for the for the election. So they were toggling all these guys when they received them. It went to some obscure P.O. box that never been used before in the past. And we're we're tracing down the breadcrumbs on who got access to that information and who didn't. So you're spot on with that. I believe that that mail in ballot fraud occurred, as you can see by the map that you had in all 83 counties in Michigan. The second phase of the attack, though, the backup attack where it was primarily electronic, um, that was a little bit riskier. You needed to have friends on the ground to go off and accomplish that because you had to get get it back in sync with all the other elements of the yeah. chain of custody. I can follow protocol and make and just insert a fraudulent ballot into the system and, and control it up at the uh, statewide voter registration file on that mail-in ballot fraud phase, that, that main attack phase, which is, uh, but when, I have to, when I'm trying to correct things at the last second, when I'm going, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to directly modify the vote tally. Then I gotta make sure that the vote tally bone's connected to the ballot bone, which is where you see the late night drop-offs of the ballots coming out at your friendly jurisdiction out in Detroit. Then I'm gonna go off and I gotta make sure that I connect that back to the poll book bone. All right, so they all gotta sync up. And I saw evidence of that 
operation happening in Detroit. Number one, we verified that they were indeed connected to the internet. These were the tabulators and the election management service, not just the poll books, the tabulators. So we know that they had access to vote tally. I saw mass file transfers occurring on the central data station when I was there as a poll challenger. I'd love to hear an explanation for what was going on with that. But after that, we saw, okay, so we saw that they had the opportunity to change the vote tallies directly. We saw that they had the late night ballot uh, deliveries that were happening here continuously where they were trying to inject them into the system. Most people don't know this, but the day before the vote in, uh, in Wayne County was supposed to be certified, there was a drop-off of a mysterious black box that came in. This is 13 days after the um, election was held. A mysterious black box came in. We had poll challengers on the ground. When they asked what was in the black box, they said new poll books. Here we are, 13 days after the election. They have new list of people that they said voted in the election. How does that happen? That's not same-day voter registration. That's, not, not. that's just them trying to cook the books. So at the end of that, I'll tell you, before that, that mysterious black box came in, our precincts were out of balance in Detroit by as many as 600 votes. And just to put that in perspective, typically maybe about 1,500 uh, votes are, are cast per precinct. So 600 out of 1,500 were, were, have no voter associated with them whatsoever. Miraculously, after this poll, after this black box shows up, maximum out of balance is 29. They still had 71% out of balance. But that's typical for Detroit, right? So uh, the bottom line is they were cooking the books. They were they were going off and making sure that the higher risk uh, play that they were doing, which is the electronic vote tally delta and switching it directly at the vote tally, they covered their tracks by putting in ballots that got them in the ballpark, and then they went off and tried to make sure that the poll books kept relatively in sync with the ballots and the vote tallies. It was a it was you a mentioned- game. Yeah, you mentioned the need to have friends on the ground. Here at Conservative Daily, we like to talk about how we have friends in the air. And that is a great segue to our sponsor, Air Make Care Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you and your household should anyone need to be airlifted to a hospital for a medical procedure. It's not something we think about a lot, but it happens. It happens to a lot of people. It's not just if you get lost in the woods or you fall off the side of a mountain. Lots of people in the suburbs or even the cities need to be airlifted just because traffic won't let an ambulance get there in time. And it's expensive. It can cost tens of thousands of dollars. It can bankrupt your family. Don't let this put your family at risk. Sign up for Air Med Care Network today. This is how it works. $85 will get you coverage for your entire household for one year. It works out to be less per year if you're a senior citizen or if you buy three or five years at a time. And when you sign up, you won't have to pay one cent for an air medical transport as long as you're flown by an AMCM provider. And don't worry, they fly over 100,000 patients a year. And as a bonus for people who listen to our show, when you go to the link in our description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily, and then you use promo code daily, D-A-I-L-Y, they're going to give you up to $50 back in the form of a gift card. It's free money. So again, go to airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. So where do we go from here, Patrick? Well, I'll tell you one question I had is that if you could uh, pick Chris's brains and see if uh, Dominion was a Solar Winds customer, and uh, I think you know where I'm going with that and the Solar Winds hack. I know that we've got evidence from Epic Times that demonstrates that they're at least a um, serve you FTP server uh, customer, um, but I'll tell you, um, you know, I'm I'm a little concerned that they may have been a customer of the Orion platform, which is 
anybody who's familiar with that uh, system understands that it uh, connects you to every single network device and it's an enterprise level software. So it is not designed for the 80 employees of Dominion. It's designed for them to manage all the connected status of devices for their customers. So I'd be very curious to see if they were um, an Orion platform customer, but even if they're not, even if they're, we already have evidence that they're a ServeView um, FTP server customer, which begs the question, if none of your machines are connected to the internet, why do you need an FTP server? That is designed yeah. to transfer files over the internet. So I remember their logo, their logo was on the Solar Winds yeah. signing page, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah, then the it got sign, scrubbed. The sign of, it got yeah, scrubbed the next day. Yeah, but nothing to see here. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Um, so well, I, I'd be very curious to go down that track because what we find in that Solar Wind hack is that they corrupted the install file, uh, which is essentially gets them uh, for every time you're doing an update, like a Windows update on your machine, you are going off and able to update whatever malware that you've installed on there already. You can put it into the system and. Uh, and so if I want to put in an open loop control algorithm where I just sit there and do the old three stooges routine of two for me, one for you, you can embed that into the tabulator and, and set it up that way. Or you can put in something a little bit more sophisticated, like evidence of the digital controller or PID controller that we saw out of Wuhan, where they were putting out a uh, um, uh, design for an electron uh, for uh, optimization of a PID controller in um, um, to manage election outcomes. I mean, that's kind of suspicious, don't you think? Well, and then you have the roaming networks, which built the the server farm in Ukraine, right? Who's connected to, I, mean, I don't know if you know about all this information, but yeah. the, the, the main data center was built by a company called Roaming Networks, whose main sponsor, the main investor in that company was Huawei Bank out of China. And and uh, this is all known, and like we have all the reports for it, we have everything else. I mean, it, it, the lack of transparency and the fact that private equity and or operatives are running these companies for our elections is problematic. We need to get rid of the election machines. We need to get, and I'm talking about downline. You have Seidel in the middle of this too that can manipulate votes. There's yeah, got to be absolutely. some sort of verification process that happens from precinct to uh, county, county to state, state to. Um, the national elections, or even the state locations, because it's gotten so they've made it so sophisticated to count a ballot. I mean, think about that. They've made it so sophisticated just to count ballots. Yeah, that it makes well, it nearly impossible. In the era of Common Core math, you got to admit that it's probably more difficult for people to add one plus one nowadays. Anyway, so I I, uh, I understand why they need a little bit of hamburger helper, um, but uh, it is. <laughs> It is concerning. We have to go off and investigate it. And one of the missing pieces of when we're talking about what can we do going forward, uh, uh, the Maricopa audit was a great audit. I really loved uh, a lot of the work that was done on it. I wish we'd get more traction with some of the findings, particularly Ben Cotton's findings around um, you know, identifying culprits. But I want to see something that I haven't seen anywhere across the country, and that is an audit of the election night reporting. I want to know from precinct to municipality to county to state to Edison to Clarity to Seidel to New York Times to CNN banner on the bottom of the screen. I want the direct traceability of all the votes and I want to know every single uh, handoff point of that information from the 
from uh, you know from every every single transfer point. I want to know the full chain of custody of that data because as a poll challenger, when I was out at the TCS Center, I could witness everything that happened in paper form. I was not small enough to crawl into a Cat5 cable and follow electrons through to see where that data was going, though. I want that full uh, full forensic audit of election night reporting more than anything. <laughs> more, I, We've got plenty of data on the statewide voter registration database and the corruption there. I want to get the other end of the bookend of the chain of custody. I want to know what the ENR uh, tallies. I want to know what breadcrumbs are available yeah. to us in that chain. I mean, that that's an interesting thought. You, you can challenge the paper. You can observe the paper. There's no one observing the, the packets. There's no one able to challenge the packets. I don't know yep. how you do it. Maybe you, I mean, are you sure you could have people with the know-how able to monitor the, the traffic in and out of the building? Wireless makes it a little bit harder, but uh, yeah. it's, it's definitely a blind spot. Well, I'll show you how insidious this is and why the preparation phase is just as important related to what we're just talking about is because they had what are called illusory provisions in their contracts with the state of Michigan, Dominion did, that prevented access. And ESNS has the same thing at the county level out in uh, Montana as well. They have illusory provisions that prevent you from analyzing any of the software that's installed on these machines. So you can't even go off and look at where it might be sending this information. And there's a broad interpretation of what their software is. I mean, frankly, a lot of this is COT stuff. So what I've been advising clerks to do is that anything that's on a Windows-based platform, go off and open up your resource monitor window on your Windows-based platform. It'll show you all the TCP IP connections that you've had on that particular device. And you can see if it's talking with anybody it shouldn't be talking to. Yeah. We're almost out of time, Joe. Do you want to chime in with a couple of last questions? Well, have you seen the video out of, I mean, I know we're talking about Michigan and all the fraud that exists there and then putting up paper, cardboard and everything else, but I don't know if you've seen the video, but there's a video in, um, in Arizona of one of the men is, takes his hat and he throws it and covers a camera that he saw. He thought he got all the cameras. He didn't realize there's another camera in the other corner. And so they're talking to each other and they're, they're basically hiding the camera. So make it so you can't actually see the camera footage of what they're doing in the back room with ballots. And once they're done, he goes and puts his hat back on and leaves. Yeah. One of the well, people that was in there a week after, yeah. after the, all of this happened, it is suspected we're, we're looking into it right now, but it's suspected that he suicided himself. Well, I, there's a lot of suspicious stuff happening in the Phoenix area in particular. We saw evidence at the Wigwam Conference Center that there was a ballot factory at the in just outside of uh, Phoenix in the Wigwam Conference Center. We had some of the suspicious uh, flights that uh, we have, have mail chased down, um, all the details on that. But, um, you know, when we talk this mail-in ballot fraud, you know, it doesn't have to be occurring in, you know, the ballot factories don't have to be in the state where you actually um, are attempting to, to shift the vote. I mean, PDFs of these ballots are available online. <laughs> you can you can just go off and print it out. In Michigan, we have standard stock 11 by 17 paper. You just get a printer that prints out 11 by 17. You got the PDFs. You can print them out anywhere you want to go. So um, I, I would assume that there's a lot of people not wanting to, have access or video proof of some of these activities going on or these illicit counts. 
in Michigan, we had something, um, there's a mystery around the third floor of the Detroit Elections Bureau. It was referred to countless times as the Chicago warehouse. And uh, we as poll challengers never got access to it. It had a reliable solution system in, um, installed at this location. And for those of you who don't know what this system is, it's essentially a ballot factory in a box. It ties in with the qualified voter file, prints ballots, puts them in envelopes, unseals the envelopes, um, reads the ballot, reads the ballot envelopes for you. It is a literal ballot factory in a box. And we've seen that that was installed at a place that was euphemistically referred to by poll workers as the Chicago warehouse in Detroit. So there's wow. a lot of nefarious activities they don't want to get us access to. And which is why here we are. I, I call ourselves the meddling kids. You, me, I, we're, the, we're not the ones responsible for investigating any of this. We're just everyday citizens that are fed up with the fact that none of the people who are supposed to be doing this are doing what they're supposed to be doing. So mm -hmm. I liken it to the Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated kids that are always seem to be at the right place at the wrong time, right? That's what's happening. And, it's, 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 and we started the show off talking about this, where it was all these grassroots people coming together, sharing information we're all meddling kids and they don't want anything to do with us. And what was the end of every single Scooby-Doo episode? And we would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Guys are not going to get away and your with dog, And your dog too. And the dog too. Yeah, yeah well, we're working for <laughs> Scooby Snacks is what it comes yeah. down to right now. Well, well we, Patrick, we, we're out of time. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Joe. No, go up. ahead. Go ahead. I was well, going to say at, we're, we're out of time. If, if you want to check out Patrick's uh, content, you can find him at letsfixstuff.org. Letsfixstuff.org. Really great site. You can check it out there for all different kinds of, of news and, and tech talk. Patrick, I want to thank you so much for stopping by today, and we'll definitely yeah, have thanks, you again brother. on again soon. Well, always good to talk with you guys. Keep up the good work, and uh, please give more encouragement to our meddling kids. We are making a difference. Absolutely. God bless you. God bless. We're out oh, of time. Yeah, we are out of time. Um, if you like us, subscribe to us on Rumble at Conservative Daily. I guess we should probably finish it up with, with what we're talking about. We constantly talk about election fraud because election fraud is the one thing that has led to the symptoms that we feel as a nation. So the, the fact that we have open borders, you know, I know that there was a bunch of people at the border taking video and Vandersteel will be with us. Um, I think she's with us. Is she with us? Uh, Friday morning. Friday morning. And is going to be reporting on what is she's finding at the border. Um, we do. We have a lot of meddling kids. They're called Americans. And the communists are the people that are in power and places of authority. We are, we are slowly getting to that place where our trust is eroded to the point where we don't have to take, we don't have to take orders from them. Nobody, nobody, nobody woke up one day and said we have to listen to a lawless group of people that want to lead us. We can throw them out, and we should. But we have to do so in such a way that we're standing together. There is power in numbers, and we need to make sure that we operate that way. So if you like our podcast, please subscribe to us on Rumble. Follow us on, at, uh, on Telegram, Conservative Daily on Telegram, sorry. You can also follow Max at Max J. McGuire, and you can follow me at Joe Oltman. You can find us live at conservative-daily.com, Rumble, DLive, Twitch, Frank Speech, and CloudHub. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Audible. Those are the audio download versions. Please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Share this episode with someone that needs to hear the message. You know, Pat is a fearless warrior who's been in the fight. 
but there's lots of people like him, and we're going to give all of those people voices. Um, also, um, share it with them so that they can listen into what we're saying so that they can become ambassadors of truth as well. If you need a reminder, we go live, text the word FREEDOM to 89517 and sign up for our text alert system. Use the link in our description as well to subscribe to our newsletter so you can get our facts blasts and you don't miss any of the important projects that we're working on right now. So that's it for this episode of Conservative Daily. My name is Joe Oltman. Still Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, the fight to take back the country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stamp and fight together.